like whatever it is, ultimately they're your client, not because of the products and services that you offer, but because of who you are and how you treat people and how you make people feel. Welcome to The Success Club, the podcast where we delve into all things business, marketing, mindset, and how to succeed as an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Shakira Jade, multiple seven-figure business owner and business coach with a passion for helping people succeed and blaze their own trail in business. If you are ready to up-level your skills, your mindset, and step into your next level self, then you've come to the right place. Think of me as your business bestie, as we navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and life. Each week, I'll be taking you through business strategies, along with resources and actionable steps so that you can make your wildest dreams a reality. I invite you to be a part of the Success Club by subscribing to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for pressing play today. And now let's get into it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am so excited to bring you our guest speaker today. Her name is Haley Westerby of the Gambit Collective, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. She is a digital marketing expert. She started her marketing agency three years ago. So we talk a little bit about the struggles that she's faced as a new business owner. And we also talk about the best tips and tricks that she has for implementing TikTok and Instagram strategies in 2023. So very exciting episode. You guys are going to love Haley and what she has to say. And I can't wait for you to listen. Let's get stuck into it. Welcome to the podcast, Haley. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great. So lovely to have you on here. Um, I would love if you could tell my audience a little bit about yourself and your background and your business, just so they can understand a little bit more about you. Okay, I'm going to try and do this really quickly. Um, so my name is Haley. I grew up traveling a lot as the child of military father um moved a lot went to a lot of different schools lived in a lot of different countries um when I finally settled in kind of Sydney Australia I made the decision to go to university study advertising and marketing psychology um which I loved um and then that led me to work in about five or six different agencies um advertising agencies over the last 10 years and I loved every single uh, agency, big and small, that I've worked for in terms of what I've learned, the experiences that I've had, the ability to travel and meet new people and all of that. But then about two and a half years ago, I decided to start my own business called Gambit Collective, uh, which is a pay-as-you-go marketing agency, which focuses on marketing, social media, and personal branding. And we've gone from working with you know, tiny little startups and individuals all the way through to working with some of the biggest brands across Australia, New Zealand and and the rest of the world. That's amazing. I love that. And I love that you've had your business for two and a half years. So you're absolutely doing so well. I'd actually love to know what is it that kind of prompted you to start your business and leave your nine to five job and go out on your own? What was the driving factor for you? 
Yeah, look, there was no real epiphany, like, so to speak. I feel like there's a lot of business stories where it's like one night or I was in the shower and I had this idea and I thought it would be cool to test. Like for me, I finished a contracted role and there was a bit of back and forth around, you know, them wanting me to stay full time and me being like, okay, well, if you want me to stay, like, this is how much my rate is from a salary point of view. And they were like, oh, we can't afford that. I was like, cool, I'll go find somewhere else to work. So I, after that, I feel like I wanted to give myself kind of a, you know, a month or two to really figure out where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, um, whether I wanted to have a go at working client side, whether I wanted to work um, in another agency or try something different. I actually also questioned changing careers altogether um, and going into like a completely different field because some of the experiences that I'd had in, you know, the advertising agency and corporate world kind of made me think that I wasn't good at what I did. So it kind of really forced me to think like, is this what I want to keep doing? Am I actually good at it? Or is it just something that I've created in my mind? And then I ended up leaving that contracted role or contracting role. And then a couple of days after I left, I started talking about the fact that I had finished up um, working with that business on LinkedIn. And then a couple of hours after I'd put my first post up, I had someone reach out to me saying, we'd love your help with our business doing this. Are you contracting? Are you helping other businesses? And at the time I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, to be honest with you. But I just said, yeah, I can help you. No problems. So within a matter of like 48 hours, I then had another request from somebody off the back of the same LinkedIn post saying, can you help us do something similar? Or we're trying to take our business from here to here anyway, like you'd be able to help for a couple of you know, months. And so I said yes to two or three contracting roles. And then within a week, I kind of set up my business page, set up the website, social media. And at the time it was just called Hayley Westerby Marketing because I had no idea what I was actually going to call my business or if it was actually even going to be a business beyond me. And yeah, I kind of was terrified, but it kind of one thing, thing led to another. Like I'm a huge believer in like what is meant for you won't walk past you. So I just was like, okay, cool. This seems like the right timing. I'll do a couple of pieces of contracting work, which will help me get money in the door. Um, And then one thing led to another. And, you know, I think four months after I started doing that, I hired my first person and yeah, it was just, it just kind of snowballed. It's like one thing to another. And you just, I look back now and I'm like, how did I get here? Because there's not really been like you know, you see all those business podcasts and books and things like that being like, have a solid business plan, know your KPIs. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but each opportunity has led to something else. And I think the one consistent thread that has been through it all is that I've kind of documented and talked about it a lot on socials, which has then led to my next opportunity, which is why it's now something that I preach about so much because I'm like, no one is going to create your narrative for you. No one is going to talk about the great work that you're doing unless you do it for yourself. So yeah, I think there was no real epiphany or, you know, like mic drop moment where I'm like, I have to be doing my own business. It kind of was one thing that led to another. And here I am two and a half years later. I love that. That's so cool. And I think that is how so many businesses start out as well. Like sometimes you feel like you've got to have this idea or you've got to have this epiphany, but sometimes things just come to you. And it was the same for me as well. People just started asking me to do their hair and then one thing led to another. And then next minute, you know, you've got all these clients and all these you know, opportunities happening. So I love that that's how you got started. And I love your business name as well. How did you come up with your business name? 
It's something we get asked a lot. And uh, for the record, we actually were called that before Queen's Gambit came out. Oh, okay. Okay. Which made explaining my business a lot easier once people had watched the Netflix documentary because people actually got it. Um, Yeah, look, I think when I was, so as I said, when I started my business, we were called Hayley Westerby Marketing. And I say we, but it was just me. And then as I started bringing on team members, I wanted something that wasn't my name that they could kind of represent and be a part of and I think you know there's nothing more like unnerving or there's nothing that kind of takes your confidence away more than feeling like you're just working for somebody else's pockets or to like line somebody else's pockets and so the biggest thing for me was to move away from the fact that it was a me thing and it became an us thing as soon as my team started growing so I actually worked with one of our designers and creatives who still work with us now to come up with the name I think it is so hard and even harder with your own business to come up with a name that you're happy with especially as somebody who is naturally quite a perfectionist and you literally go through everything so I think one of the first names that we came up with was like Lemonade And we loved it because it kind of played on the idea of like when life gives you lemons, like a bit kind of tangy when like sharp, but like, you know, fun at the same time. And then we looked it up and somebody had literally registered it like two months earlier, like lemonade marketing. And I was like, damn it. Um, So we went back to the drawing board and we just like when we help other businesses come up with names and, and, you know, creative ideas, there's a whole heap of tools and um, activities or tasks that we do with them to come up with a name. So we obviously, we wrote like a brief, what we wanted to be known for. We wrote this like long-winded, like all the words that we would associate with the business. I think one of the things that we were really firm on or wanting to have was a name that wasn't like a sharp name, like a single like bang or like a single word. Because I think that there are a lot of marketing agencies that are like, you know, single syllables. And for me, one of the biggest values that we have as an organization is that we're with a business for the long term. We're not like your, I constantly say, we're not like the six week Ibiza body shred challenge. We are like a long term investment that help you grow your business and um, work with you as your business grows. And so for me, the importance of like that long-term investment and long-term relationship was really important. Uh, So we came up with, there was a whole heap of words that like, you know, implied long-term thinking or long-term strategies. I also didn't want it to sound boring and like consultancy-like and, you know, very black and white or grey. Like it just wasn't um, what we wanted. So we came up with a whole heap of different words and we kind of shortlisted it and gambit was actually a chess move which is essentially like a short time term sacrifice where you sacrifice a like a high value player in order to make checkmate on the opponent sooner so it's kind of like that short term sacrifice for that long term reward and yet queen's gambit is obviously where you sacrifice the queen for um the ability to like checkmate later on so gambit was something that really stuck with me it was punchy enough that it was like okay it's like not one syllable but it's not long-winded and yeah then we ended up settling on you know we didn't want like something that was really corporate like we didn't want like 
group or, you know, didn't want something that alluded to like a business corporateness. We wanted it to be like, again, not family, but like those family values of being like more than one. And so that's where we kind of came to like collective and then putting them together. I mean, I loved Gambit Group because it was like the GG, but I like liked the the meaning and the sentiment behind collective more because the way in which we operate is we have a team that is you know central to the business but then we also work with a whole heap of partners and uh like other contractors and you know sole traders and things like that that you know only work for themselves only want to work for themselves but are part of a bigger organization so collective was a really really natural fit for us I love that. It's such a cool name and it's so memorable as well. And I love that there's so much behind the name. Like I would never have realized all that. So that's. So yeah. Cool. I think for like for the name, like, I mean, I, it was funny cause I went through phases when we were coming up with the name being like, it doesn't matter. We'll change it in two years anyway. And then you kind of get stuck on it and you're like, Oh no, I really like this name. Like this could last longer than two years. There's certainly moments where like you hear other names and you're like, that's cool. Like I like the meaning behind it. Yeah. I definitely wanted there to be a meaning behind it because yeah, some of the businesses that we've worked with, they're like, you ask them why they're called that. And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like kind of like the sound of it. And you're just like, yeah, kind of loses its oomph. Yes. Definitely. So yeah, for me, it was important to have a meaning behind it. It was also important for like the team that we had to like it at the time. So taking them on that journey as well, sharing it with them, sharing the ideas, sharing the color palettes, those kinds of things. Because ultimately if you're introducing or any change to be fair in an organization, not taking your existing team on that journey, you will lose them. So for me, it was really important that we continue to take them on that journey was as we kind of evolved. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Um, and another thing I wanted to chat to you about was personal branding, because I think mm-hmm. this is something that you do really well. I've been following you on your Instagram and I love how you integrate your personal life and you share what you are doing, but you also integrate that so well with your business as well. So I just love to get your thoughts on personal branding. I think, you know, it is also kind of a more recent thing in recent years of marketing. It's not something that people were doing really um, well, not, not frequently sort of 20, 30 years ago. And it's definitely becoming way more common and way more important now for running a business. So I'd love to get your thoughts on having a personal brand that is kind of outside your business, but runs alongside your business. I mean, where do I start? I think you're so right around the fact that it wasn't something that people were talking about 20 to 30 years as part of like a marketing tactic, but it is something that people were doing. Like you look at Pamela Anderson, for example, like everyone associates her with Baywatch. Everyone associates her with her platinum blonde hair and, you know, her big boobs and like beautiful face and all of that. And I think that like that was her personal brand was like this sexy beach going babe, but no one said that's Pamela Anderson's personal brand. That's just what she was known for. Right. Same as, you know, you look at like a Kim Kardashian or, you know, a Kylie Jenner, like whilst they've been around for like the best part of like 15 years or even longer, depending on how, how old you are, um, you know, they have leveraged who they are as people to sell products. And, you know, you look at some of the early days, like 20 to 30 years ago, where you'd have like 
an ambassador for a business or the face of a business. And that is essentially the early days of brands figuring out that people buy from, like, trust, you know, compliment, you know, uh, converse with, fall in love with other people. And if they had a face of somebody that perhaps a large percent of the consumers that they were trying to attract as part of their brand, then they would see a higher number of sales come through because they felt as though they liked or knew or trusted this person and therefore they would buy from this brand that they perhaps had never heard from before. So I think whilst personal branding is a really new concept for people to be talking about, it's been happening for so long and people just aren't talking about it. So I think where I start on that is like, especially when we're talking to businesses about, you know, capitalizing on the personal brands that work within their organization is that you know people go oh how do we know that it's going to work like you go back 50 years and there was you know people as the face of pepsi or people as the face of apple and they are brands that have traditionally sold with other people being the faces of them so it's like yeah whilst personal branding hasn't been talked about as a tactic for a while the idea of utilising people that are known, liked and trusted by the potential audience that they're trying to attract has been used for years. So uh, I think a large part of building your personal brand, I think one of the, the biggest questions that we get all the time when we run workshops is around, oh, well, how do I, you know, create professional content? content that is professional enough for my work colleagues to see or you know peep my bosses and things like that and there's two answers that I have for that I think one I would ask always for people to find what professional is to them because professional by definition is you doing your profession it's not your color of your hair it's not what comes out of your mouth it's not the color of your nails or your outfit Yet I think that a lot of business owners and leaders tend to hide behind this like umbrella term of professionalism to allow them to avoid going into the details around what they don't like about that particular person, right? And I think that, you know, I've had it in my career, Haley, your nail colour isn't professional. I'm like, what, like my nails allow me to do my job. What about my nail colour isn't professional? Are you telling me that you don't like the colour of my nails or you don't want me turning up to a client meeting with this colour on my nails? Because if that's the case, just say it. So I think I would very much question first and foremost what it is to be professional. And then second to that, I would say that building your personal brand from a professional point of view, like a work sense, you still have to talk about you. Like, if you think about it, when you turn up to work, and I had this very example with um, somebody that I did a workshop with in a bank, like a financial institution, and he was like, I can't talk about any services or products online, so what do I talk about? And I said, when you have your 75 customers and clients that you work with and you pick up the phone to them every single week, do you pick up the phone and go, hey, Gary, I've got this product, this service, and these specials on this week? No. You pick up and you might ask him if he watched the football on the weekend. You ask him about his family. You say, did you enjoy some time in the sun? Did you tell him about your weekend and what you got up to? Maybe you have a secret hobby of go-karting. Like whatever it is, ultimately they're your client 
not because of the products and services that you offer, but because of who you are and how you treat people and how you make people feel. So I think that so many people get caught up in just talking about work, but I encourage people to go, imagine if the only thing that you did in your friendship group was talk about your job. Like how boring would you be? No one would want to be around you. And so instead of going, what content can I create from a business point of view? It's like, what can I talk about completely unprompted that ties to me as a person, but also ties to what I do for a living? Like for me, I can talk underwater about personal branding until the cows come home. I can talk about it with no notes. I can talk about it. I can give you stats. I can, you know, because I'm so innately passionate about helping people understand the value of building their own personal brand, but then also building people's brands within their organization. And I would say that if you can't find what you're passionate about, I think passion is, you know, a word that I've struggled with for a while because passion essentially is just the energy that you put behind something that you like, right? But if you can think about three things that you can talk about unprompted, i.e. if you go, cool, I'm going to interview on a topic and you go, cool, you can interview on me, me on this topic. What three things can you talk about unprompted? And they don't have to be work-related. Like a huge part of what I love talking about is mental health. I currently work with a men's mental health charity um, and we do a lot of nonprofit work with them. And I could talk about the importance of mental health and my own journey and all of those things because it's something that I really, really live and breathe and fully believe in. But I think that for a large part of people, you know, if you're in an agricultural business and you're like, I actually hate agriculture, but I love the ideas of helping farmers or I love the idea of like what the agricultural community can do for for businesses or, or communities at large, talk about that. And I think that far too often people get in their head like, oh, I have to talk about this or I have to talk about that or I think for me, it's about finding the things that you are excited to talk about and that you want to help people understand. And that, you know, if you had a microphone for 30 minutes and you could talk unprompted, what would those three things be? And so for me, your personal brand isn't just around talking about yourself. It's talking about, you know, your experiences. It's talking about, you know, work that you might've done or how you've helped others. It might be, you know, for, for me, for example, like I share a lot of like work that I love. It's not work that we've done. It's just work that I've seen that I'm like, that is awesome. And I want to share it because one of my kind of pillars when it comes to my personal brand is making marketing accessible. So it's like, I can do that without talking about myself. And so I think that a huge misconception when it comes to personal branding is around the idea that A, it has to be about just your job. And I would say that that couldn't be further from the truth. And B, that it has to be professional. And as I said, like, what is professional? And what is that idea of professionalism that you have that's stopping you from putting stuff out there? I love that. I think that really helps with like a lot of the fears that people might have around like putting themselves out there or thinking they have to be perfect. And, you know, obviously we know at the end of the day, no one is perfect. Even if you are a professional quote unquote professional person working in whatever industry it might be, you still have a personality. You still have a personal life. There are things about you, like you said, you know, go-karting or whatever it might be that you love doing and people want to they want to know that about you because then they can connect with you and they can, they end up trusting you more. And then they're more prepared to spend their money with you as a business when they know that they can trust you. Totally. And like, I say this all the time, right? Like 
and people get really pissed off, but like anybody can do your job. Like no offense, but like anybody can learn what you've learned and do your job. Like you think about how many hairdressers are out there, how many people are out there that do extensions, how many people are out there that run marketing agencies. Like there are so many people that can do what we do, you and I, and probably everybody listening, right? There is not that many jobs or roles where you're like, wow, you're like one of the very few people that I know that do that, right? Anybody could do what we do. But at the end of the day, the reason why people choose to work with you or come to your salon or use your hair extensions is because they know, trust and like you or your brand. And that is through either you sharing it, your team sharing it, the business sharing it and creating this culture of like, oh, I know what I'm getting when I go there or I like what I'm getting when I go there or I trust that when I'm going there, I get the best service or the best results. And it's the same as me. Like anybody can do my job. Like there are plenty of bigger advertising agencies, marketing groups and specialists out there. But the reason that clients come to work with us is because they know that they'll get this no bullshit approach. They know that I will be 100% honest with them and we're going to spend their money like it's our own. And I think that they're the things that ultimately can be a deciding factor. Like, you know, we look at so many pictures, like, if you know, working in an advertising agency for the last 10 years, you pitch on all these different things. And a large part of that pitch process is getting to know the team that you're working with. They have these things called chemistry sessions, which are essentially just an afternoon to get to know the people that you're going to be working with if you win. And that for me couldn't be more proof that the personality and the person and the brand of person that you're working with is far more important than the ideas that you're putting forward. Absolutely. I agree. And I think as well, you mentioned including your team in your branding for your business. And that is something I do a lot in my hair extensions business. We do a lot of team reels and we we get all of the team on the stories talking and things like that. And we've actually had people apply for jobs with us. And as everybody knows, it's quite hard to find staff in this mm-hmm. you know, environment at the moment, but we will get people reaching out to us simply because they've seen the personality of the team, not just me as the owner and the founder, but that's amazing like to have people reaching out to want to work for us because they see the team environment and they see the girls, they know who works, you know, at each location. They, they really understand who is in the business and that not only draws customers, but also like-minded team members as well to the business, which is a huge plus. Yeah, huge. And I think, I mean, we're the same, right? Like we launched on TikTok in January um, and Laura, who works with me, she was like, we need to, we need to start a TikTok page. I was like, you can start it. I'll be available for whatever you need from me. But like, it is very low down on my priority list right now. So I'm like, if you want to do it, no problems. But we literally launched in January and we've, I think we get like at least one a week of people reaching out being like, do you have any jobs going? More inquiries than I have ever had on any other social media platform. And I think that that is, whilst you said like, yes, having your whole team show up on socials and show their personalities or talk about their expertise. It's another pillar to that social proof of the fact that your business is doing great things. But what I would also say is that leveraging their own profiles to allow them to talk about the things that they're passionate about on their own channels, not just the business channel, is another channel or another pathway that you can get 
that social proof and that knowing, liking, trusting from other people that are outside of your immediate business following. And I think that for me, you know, I encourage all of my team to post on LinkedIn and Instagram at least once a week. Like talk about whatever you want and we work with them to come up with a strategy for their LinkedIn and things like that. Talk about whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable. I'm not going to sit there and be like, once a week you have to talk about how great the business is. But I want them to talk about once a week something that relates to their job and what they do. And they can talk about anything. Like one of the girls a few weeks ago wrote about the six reasons why your brand needs to be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great. And she was really, really enthusiastic about it because that is the stuff that she will talk to unprompted if someone was to ask her over a drink or at dinner or whatever, she would talk about it. So it's not inauthentic to do that. And I think that that in itself, she has a whole following that aren't following our business page. And if she's talking about once a week, the work that she's helping clients with or the businesses that she's helping grow or the things that she's the most passionate about, that's a whole nother channel that's not tapped into that she is now unlocking because she's empowered to talk about the things that she does at work. And I think that for such a large part of that, it's one part to get your team on your socials. And then there's another part of it where it's like you're empowering your team to create content for their own channels that might be, you know, like, again, I go back to Laura because she's the most active on like most of the channels, but like, she has her TikToks where she's posting her aesthetic, like coastal girl walkies and all of those things, right? Breakfast, where she's eating, all of that. Then every so often she'll post a TikTok that's like, these are the six reasons that you need to be on TikTok and tags the business. And it ties into her personal brand because it's what she does for work. It's what she's passionate about, but she's not going to talk about work all the time because that would be boring. And I think that that in itself can lead to such a valuable return for a business And I think that business leaders don't take that opportunity because they're terrified what their team members are going to write. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge part of that is hiring the right people, but also educating them and taking on that journey of like, hey, this is the type of content that I'm creating. Like I'm writing content almost every day for LinkedIn, Instagram or TikTok for my own channels. I do all my own stuff still, even though I've got a team to do everyone else's. Like I do all of mine myself because I'm not leading by example if I go and outsource it or get somebody else to do it. If I say to my team, if I can post twice a week on LinkedIn or three times a week on LinkedIn, you can post once. And they see what I write and they go, cool, like that inspired me to write about this. And I was like, great, like use my content to inspire your own. By all means, go for it. But I think that it's so important to build up the brands within the organization that you have but so many people don't and they don't do it because they're scared that those people are going to get well known and then they're going to be poached or they're going to leave the organization and find something better which then leads me to a whole nother conversation around the fact that if you're not empowering your team or you're training your team because you don't want them to leave like you've got bigger issues on your hand than just empowering them to talk about stuff online yeah and I think secondly you know if you're not doing it because you're scared they're going to leave. There's a whole heap of people that aren't doing it because they don't want to do it themselves and they don't want to lead by example or they don't know where to start. And so I think that's where kind of, you know, we play a role in that in the sense that it's this education phase around how we can help businesses, why it actually works and why it's a great strategy long-term to deploy in your business to help grow your business. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's that old school mentality of, you know, thinking, I don't want my team to be posting for all those reasons that you mentioned, but it's just not the way of the future. It's not how things work anymore. And you can actually grow your business and gain so much more by allowing your team that freedom to have their own pages and to post and promote themselves and the brand simultaneously. So totally and I think I think it was Richard Branson that said the quote train people well enough so that they can leave but treat them well enough so that they don't want to yes and I think yeah when I I, the one of the first pushbacks that I get from big organizations when you go this is the value of investing in your team they go but what if they become so good that they leave and start their own business or what if they leave and they go and work for a competitor I'm like the issue isn't you training them or you empowering them to talk about themselves or what they're passionate about online. The issue is that you don't treat them well enough or you don't pay them well enough to stay. Yeah. And so I think that for a large part of it, you need to train your team up because otherwise you're left with this team that are just not learning. Yeah. And you'd be the same, right? You train people from an extensions point of view or a hair point of view. And you're like, okay, cool. Like I train them up and they could just leave, but you employ the things that, support them outside of that that make them not want to leave yeah so I think that that's really important as well is that there's a lot of business owners out there that are terrified to invest in their team at the fear of them becoming better and then leaving but what happens if they stay and they don't get better yeah that's the that's most scary terrible. thing. That's the most scary thing that could possibly happen, you know, and then that affects the reputation of the brand, of your business, of so much. So definitely investing in your team, is it's never going to be a waste of money or it's never going to not pay off. It really does pay off. I, I couldn't agree more. In a fast-paced world, time is everything. And for busy business owners like you, efficiency is key. That's why I use Flowdesk, the ultimate email building platform designed to save you time and skyrocket your business success. With Flowdesk, creating stunning emails is a breeze. Say goodbye to complicated interfaces and coding. Flowdesk's user-friendly editor empowers you to design captivating emails in minutes. They also have amazing automations which help you to save time and money. If you've ever gotten an email from me, you would have seen the beautiful design as I use Flowdesk for all my emails. Flowdesk offers a vast collection of templates crafted to match your brand's unique style. If you are interested in trying Flowdesk on a free trial, you can go to shakirajade.com forward slash Flowdesk to find out more or use my code shakirajade at checkout to save 50% off your first year. Join myself and thousands of other entrepreneurs who use and trust Flowdesk. Another thing you mentioned as well was TikTok. So we joined TikTok probably six months ago and it's been so much fun. I did feel like we were a bit late to the game because it felt like everybody was joining during COVID and that was when it was like booming. But we decided to join, you know, probably six months ago and it's been really fun. And we've had so many videos go viral with millions of views, which like, doesn't happen on Instagram. Maybe once Mm. or twice it's happened on Instagram. So for one, it feels like it's a lot easier to get a much further reach through TikTok, but I'd also love to know like, what, what are your thoughts on TikTok and what are you kind of seeing that's working on TikTok at the moment? 
Yeah, look, I mean, first of all, welcome, because it's a completely different world. I think one of the things that we see a lot of, um, and I don't spend nearly as much time on TikTok as my team does. It's funny, we have this joke all the time of like, you know, I'll be in the office and I'm like, I've got to go to a meeting. And everyone's like, Mom, why are you going to a meeting? And I'm just like, I go to the meeting so that you can spend half your day on TikTok. <laughs> like, that's my job. Like, I'm providing for this family. And it's just an ongoing joke now of like, I'm going to go do the the adult stuff so that you guys can spend 90% of your days on TikTok. But I think that uh, with TikTok and businesses, it is a different ball game. I think people hold off and don't invest in it because they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I would say to that, like reach out to a specialist, reach out to us, we'll happily help you. But like reach out to a specialist who knows what they're doing and can help you with that. And I would say, you know, it's it's, with that, with that platform in particular, I'd say it's not something that you can post once a week and it's done. It's something that is quite reactive. It is very, um, it's one of those platforms that you need to constantly be on in order to be growing and learning and evolving and the least polished videos are typically the ones that perform the most and you probably see this with your content right the ones that you like map out and spend hours planning and then you shoot and execute and then it's just like cool a couple hundred views like great and then it's the one video that's like the behind the scenes content of like someone saying something funny that then goes off so I think that don't over-engineer TikTok. I think TikTok is a very genuine and authentic platform for people to feel as though they're getting a glimpse into somebody's day that is not polished. Um, But I would say that you do have to have the time to invest in it because posting once a week is not going to get you very far. Um, It is one of those platforms that demands more of you. And if you don't have that or you don't have the content or you're not willing to shoot the content, then just don't do it. And I know you said that you're late to the party, but there are still brands that are not on TikTok. So you're definitely not late to the party. I think that a huge reason as to why people don't start on particular platforms is because they're like, well, everyone else is doing it. And it's like, you know, the one thing that I say to that is, do you think that when Instagram launched, they go, ah, well, Facebook is kind of already doing the social media platform stuff. So we don't need to create a second social media platform. They were like, no, we can do it differently. We can do it better. These are the things that are different to what Facebook does. And then Instagram launched and became a huge success. So I think that, um, and then Facebook ended up buying it. So I think that looking at it as like, well, someone else has already done it is not a great way to approach things um, because I think there'd be a lot of things that you wouldn't do if somebody had already done it. Um, I said, yeah. And then secondly to that is like making sure that you have enough time to invest in it. Like with me, when I've like, we're in the office once or twice a week, a huge part, like one to two hours a day that we're in the office, we're shooting content. And that's on top of all of the work that we're doing. So it's like being committed to that and like, yeah, is it a priority for me as a business owner and leader in that space? No, but will it help if I can contribute to like 60% of the videos that we're creating absolutely so I think again like I'm the face of the business I think you know we're changing that at the moment while we're getting other team members involved in content and things like that but I think TikTok is a weird beast I mean even personally like 
you know, I put up all of this content of like, get ready with me whilst I get talk about this or I talk about my journey in marketing and advertising and things like that. And you can talk about all this stuff that has heaps of great content. And then I put up a video of my dad putting the Anzac Day medals on me, like my granddad's medals on me and talking to him about it. And it gets like hundreds of thousands and millions of views. And you're just like, okay. But again, it's all part of what makes you you. Right. So I think that there'll be things where, you know, I posted a TikTok when I was at a couple of nights ago where I had an awards night at 7.30 and I was in this beautiful dress, had my hair done. And then at the end of the awards night, I went back to the car park, changed into my trackies and then drove two hours down the coast to go and meet my girlfriends for a weekend away. And one of the girls in my team videoed it and I just put it up on LinkedIn, uh, on TikTok and was like, when you've got an awards night at 7.30 and a trip down the coast at 10.30 and it's, it went off. And so I think that all of those things are just like tiny little, instead of thinking that each piece of content is going to break the internet, I think that's a huge misconception. It's like, what's a video that's going to go viral? And it's the same as any social media platform, to be fair. LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter slash X if you're into that. But like, instead of looking at what kind of content is going to break the internet and be like my one viral piece of content, it's like, what pieces of content can I create and share that add to this portfolio of who I am as a person or who are, who we are as a business that when people view more than one video, they get a good understanding of what that looks like. Whereas one video isn't just going to break the internet and then all of a sudden you're going to be this overnight sensation. And I think that far too many, like, again, I'm a huge quote fiend, but I think that, you know, it's like an overnight success takes 10 years. Like you don't see all of the work that goes into that, you know, grinding away for like the nine and a half years. And then there'll be one video or one piece of content or one thing that goes, but then they're like, oh my God, that is overnight success. I've never heard of them before. It's like, of course you've never heard of them because they've been grinding away for like those nine years. And then all of a sudden they've got these businesses and these, you know, job opportunities and these collaborations and all of that. So I think that, yeah, consistency is definitely something that you need on TikTok, but also the mentality of like done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. Huge. Because so many people try and like make it perfect. Me especially. I'm like, oh, I said something funny there. Or like, that doesn't sound right. Or I messed up the way I said something. And in my mind, I'm like, I just want to reshoot it. But it's actually that like authenticness that like you are a human and you're not a robot that people thrive on. Mm -hmm. 100%. I agree. And I love what you said as well about not being afraid to do something just because other people are doing it. I feel like I see that so often where people don't want to do things because other people are doing it. And we even had that in my business with this consultation video on TikTok because everyone, all these hairdressers were doing consultation videos where they show the consultation, which in itself seems like the most boring thing as a hairdresser because we do it all all day, you know, and we weren't, we didn't want to do it because everybody else was doing it. And when we did our first consultation video, that was the video that went viral and we've had like over 5 million views. And it's just a video of the hairdresser talking to the client about what she wants to do to her hair. And if we had let that fear of like doing what everybody else is doing or jumping on the bandwagon and following a trend, like if we had just gone with that, we wouldn't have had that video go viral and then all these ones after it as well. So I think just that being willing to just jump on trends when they happen, don't be afraid because someone else has done it. You've got to think of original ideas all the time because 
there's no such thing as an original idea anyway. <laughs> there isn't, and I say this all the time, there's no such thing as original content, right? Like, yes, if you copy and paste a caption and a video word for word, of course, copyright. But like, if you see something online and you're like, wow, that inspires me to talk about or write or talk, like post something, then that's not their idea anymore. Like, I think far too often, there's also the consideration that like, just because people are following you doesn't mean they're following the other people. Yes. And so I think that, you know, you can sit there and be like, well, of course I've seen this before because I'm living and breathing every type of content that exists in my industry. But the people that are following you for you and not necessarily for the industry content, they don't know that it exists. So if anything, you might be exposing them to new trends and ideas and things like that. So, you know, one of the biggest compliments I can receive is like, I saw your post on LinkedIn and it inspired me to talk about this. And like, that is amazing because if you can look at a piece of content that I've written and go, oh, that like made me think about this differently, or it's made me think about my own opinion on this particular subject matter. That is such a huge compliment because people look at what you've written and they then go, cool, I can write about that. Or it's inspired me to post something about that. So I think, yeah, for me, it's like, you know, I, I also talk about the idea of like reutilizing content, like, like wearing a great outfit only once, right? If you don't repurpose content. And I think that if, you know, I was talking about this the other night with one of my friends and was saying, you know, women buy a dress for $800, but if you wear it eight times, it's only a hundred dollars a wear, mm. right? And it's the same with content. Like if I record a podcast and then I cut that up into 30 different videos, that's 30 different pieces of opportunities that I can get to get in front of another person or a potential customer or a potential new follower or a potential new community member that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't have done that podcast and hadn't cut it up. So I think reutilizing and repurposing content all the time is really important, especially for like LinkedIn. Like I go back every three months and go, what were my top 10 performing posts on LinkedIn? And I rewrite them and reshare them. And that doesn't mean that I'm lazy when it comes to my content. It means I know that the, that content resonated with a bunch of people. And I know that for a fact, 100% of my audience didn't see that post because not every single person sees every single post. And so by cutting it up and repurposing it, I'm saying the same thing, but in a different way. And I think far too often when we do like social strategies with businesses or individuals, they go, you know, we, we get them to choose three things to talk about. And they're like, but if I'm only talking about those three things all the time, like won't people get bored of me? And you're like, well, no, because you think about all the people that are successful in their respective fields. They only talk about those things that they're known for. Like, you know, you see like a Tony Robbins, for example, like he's always talking about helping other people and self-help and those kinds of things. You don't see him talking about his fitness routine because he's consistently talking about helping other people. And that's what he's known for. You know, you look at anyone that you follow on social media that you're like, I love their brand. I love their business. I love their content. I guarantee you that they will be talking about the same thing over and over and over again in different ways. And I think that that's what people have to get in their head is that if you want to be known for something, you've got to be talking about it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say, like going over to Instagram, what's would you say are your best tips for someone like in 2023, moving into 2024, 
what would you say for someone wanting to grow their business and they're wanting to get more clients and grow their business? What would you, what would your best tips be? For Instagram, I would say consistency wins on every platform. And I think the big misconception with consistency is that people think that it has to be every day and it doesn't. Um, I certainly think TikTok has a higher cadence than Instagram, but I would say that consistency wins every day. Um, So if you choose to post three times a week and you do that for 12 weeks, you'll see results. And not just consistency from a posting point of view or a cadence point of view, posting from a brand aesthetic point of view. Like we have so many brands that come to us that don't have a color palette or a succinct font or you know, brand, simple brand guidelines that ensure that all of their branding and communication is the same, looks, feels, smells the same. And they don't have that. And it's like, of course, your consumers are going to be confused because if you can't tell me what color your brand is, or if you can't tell me what font your brand uses, how the hell are your consumers supposed to identify it or your your audience? Like, I think, you know, you can point to some of the biggest brands in the world, you know, like an iPhone ad very rarely has an Apple logo on it. It just says shot on iPhone. And I think that they've worked so hard to build what that brand looks, feels, sounds like so that people know that that's an Apple ad. And it's the same as, you know, a Nike ad or, you know, there's a lot of massive brands out there that have nailed their marketing. And one that I would use locally in Australia is Combank. Like Combank were a client of mine when I first started in the advertising industry and they're a client of mine now. And they started with the Commonwealth Bank. That was their logo. And if you Google like the evolution of the Commonwealth Bank logo, like you'll see it. But I think they started with the Commonwealth Bank. Then they went down to like CBA, like Commonwealth Bank Australia. And that's what people knew them for. Then they launched the CAN campaign, like Combank CAN. And they launched the tagline, Combank Can. Then they shortened their logo to just Can, C-A-N, like the little diamond and then Can next to it. And then over time, people have just known them as CBA or Combank. Or they've noticed the little gold and black diamond. And they're like, that's Combank. So I think you look at any big, big brands that are doing it well, just because you're a small business or an individual or a sole trader, doesn't mean that you can't have these brand guidelines set in place. And I think that, you know, we help businesses like, I don't have a 70 page brand guideline document. I have a single page. It has my colors, fonts, um, and best practice of, of use of that and logos and icons. And that's it. So that when I've got a business that we're working with that wants to use our colors, fonts, and things like that, they know how to use it. And I think that Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, any platform that you're looking to put your brand out on, consistency with like colors, fonts, aesthetic, the way that it looks, feels, sounds and touches, etc., is so important to be consistent. So I think that's one thing that I think is a really quick fix that a lot of businesses overlook. I would also say you don't have to jump on every trend. I think there are a lot of trends out there at the moment But if it doesn't feel authentic to you and your brand, don't do it. Like if you really hate being on camera and you're trying to like 
jump on all these reels of like lip syncing and all of that, but you're not living for it and it's not giving you the confidence or you're not feeling it, don't do it because you'll do more harm to your brand trying to like fit into what everyone else is doing than embracing you and your authenticity and and what you do best. So I think stick to what you're strongest at. And I think a large part of the advice that we give to people when it comes to choosing a platform to be on is what content do you like creating? If you like writing, go to LinkedIn. It's a great platform for people that don't need to post pictures and record videos. You can do that on there, but you don't have to. And so I think if you like recording videos, TikTok's a great place to be. If you like sharing photos, writing and videos, Instagram's a good place to be. If you like that like multimedia mix, that's great. So I think knowing your strengths when it comes to choosing a platform is really important. I would say as well, more of like a mistake that brands make when it comes to Instagram is like partnering with influencers that do more harm than good. I think in the next few years, we'll see a change in the creator economy. And I think that brands will be more and more particular with the creators that they work with and investing in longer term relationships over shorter term relationships because consumers are seeing straight through that. So I think some people, when they're new to the social media space, go, well, we obviously need to invest in influencers. And I think influencers and creators are great, but you have to have long-term relationship with them like me personally like I've been lucky enough to grow my following on Instagram and I get at least once a week a brand messaging me being like hey we'd love to partner with you for this we'd love to get pay you to talk about this or send you some lingerie that you can post a picture in and I'm like that's not me like there are some things that are just not me and if I start doing that I mean I'm really grateful for the fact that like I don't make my money off of Instagram, right? I don't have to rely on it for an income, which then allows me to be more picky with the content that I do create and the brands that I decide to partner with. Because far too often I've seen influencers and creators rely on the platform for money and just start posting about everything from skinny detox teas to underwear that they'd never wear in their life to restaurants that they'd never eat at or handbags that they could never afford because they need to make money. And every brand deal that doesn't align with who you are as a person does more and more harm to it. And I think for me, I'm really, really grateful. And I think that my audience knows that like I would never talk about stuff that I'm just not passionate about. So I think that, or that I'm not doing or using already. Like there are so many brands that I create content for that I'm not being paid to simply because I love the product and I want other people to know about it. So I think that authenticity when it comes to creating content is going to be at the forefront of what we do moving forward. And I think that brands can't hide behind spending hundreds of millions of dollars on creators and influencers without having a, a proper strategy in place for that. And I think that the like uninfluencer or like uninfluencing is going to be a big trend in the next couple of years as well, where it's like, you know, people giving their genuine reviews on products and services as opposed to these like fabricated or like very aesthetic like routines or posts or things like that. So I think, yeah, there are a couple of things that I think that if you are looking to get into the space, I would watch out for. 
I think it's such a huge opportunity. And like I said, you know, I think so many people go, well, I can't start on Instagram now because there are so many other brands that are already there. And it's like, yeah, but you have a whole audience that potentially don't know about you, that you have a job to provide value. And I think above all, a social media platform from a business or a personal brand should provide value. And if you're not, like, what is your purpose? And value can be entertainment. Like, it doesn't have to be like, I'm giving you 15 facts to grow your business. Like, it can just be entertainment. It can be, you know, providing stories that relate or resonate with other people. It can be informing people or educating people. Like, the value just has to be there in order for people to continue to engage. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I love that you said about the influences and de-influencing because I agree that people are just seeing straight through, you know, so many of these influences that are just prepared to promote anything that comes their way and it's not going to lead to sales for the business at the end of the day anyway. So that is such a good point. But thank you so much for all the value that you've shared today. You've given so many good tips and so many good insights. If my listeners would like to find out more about you, where can they find you? Um, pretty much on any social media platform. <laughs> so um, Hayley Westerby, which is on LinkedIn, Instagram and TikTok, or my business, which is Gambit Collective, which is gambit.collective on Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. So any of the the social media channels you can find us on. Amazing. That sounds so good. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Oh, that was just so amazing having Haley on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation and it was so good to get her input and her experience on some of these topics. And I just all around loved having a chat with her. I am also feeling so grateful to be able to have so many beautiful guests on the podcast. I have been absolutely loving interviewing all these different business owners and experts in their field. It's honestly been so much fun for me. I get to ask them all the questions that I have and just get some insights on what's happening in their world and what's happening in the business world from their perspective. So I absolutely love this and I love doing it. I definitely plan on bringing you guys more guest speakers, so I can't wait for that. And I will see you guys same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed it or got some value from it, please share it with a friend who you think might like it also. If you're feeling extra generous, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps me to reach more people and spread my message to those who need it the most when growing their business. Thanks once again, and I'll see you here next week.